your home of the fans and the best fans coverage. WXDX FM Pittsburgh, an iHeart Radio station. Evgeny Malkin has 49 points since New Year's Day. That's 10 more points than the next highest total, namely Sidney Crosby and Connor McDavid. The Penguins came into the year at 19, 18, and 3, and since then they're 21, 8, and 1. Gino excelled, and the Penguins followed. If that's not MVP material, I don't know what is. What if Gino finishes the season with the most points in the league and the most goals in the league? That could happen. It'd have to be MVP. Unless he's not. There are two big articles in today's Post-Gazette detailing Gino's MVP credentials. And Rob Rossi wrote one in the Trib not long ago. But Canadian voters don't like Russians, although Ovechkin has been MVP three times. Sid and Kessel have big numbers. They're MVP candidates. That could split some votes, whereas Tampa only has one real MVP candidate in Kucherov. Ovi's going to get some votes, deservedly so, because he just became very visible with career goal number 600, and right now he's got three more goals than Gino on the season. Ovi is the league leader. And then there's the Taylor Hall bandwagon, because an entertaining electric star player in New Jersey is such a novel idea. Malkin doesn't need any more validation. He's won the MVP, playoff MVP, two scoring titles, Rookie of the Year, and three Stanley Cups. He might already be the best Russian player in NHL history, and he's one of the best players ever, period, no matter what that stupid top 100 list might say. Whatever happens from here on out for Evgeny Malkin is just a cherry on top. Scoring titles in Stanley Cups, Gino. Nobody votes on those. Sick Again brought to you by 84 Lumber. Helping you build the right way since 1956. Uh, do I think Gino's going to get MVP? I think Kutrov's going to get it. Although he's Russian too. They'll find a nice Canadian guy to give it to. Maybe Ovet. Oh, wait, he's Russian, too. It's the year of the Russian. They didn't even go to the Olympics, and they won the Olympics anyway. Think about it. Kucherov, Ovi, and Gino are having these career years. Pretty close, anyway. They couldn't go to the Olympics because the NHL players didn't go. The Russians couldn't go because they were banned for doping. But they sent a team of Russian athletes and won anyway. Talk about beating the odds. Uh, I think if Gino gets the scoring title and the goal-scoring title, I think then he has to get MVP. But I don't think he's going to win the goal-scoring title. I think Ovi's going to get that. In fact, Ovi needs 11 more for another 50-goal season. And there's only, like, what, 12 or 13 games left. But... uh, I could see him kicking it into gear and getting it and maybe getting MVP himself. Very exciting debate about who's going to win the MVP. Usually I'm bored to death by stuff like that, but this season it's a legitimate debate. Uh, 
Marc-Andre Fleury won his 400th game last night. So people on Twitter say, ah, we should have kept Flower. Cole scored and Columbus won. So people on Twitter say, ah, we should have kept Cole. Twitter absolutely sucks. By the way, I absolutely believe Marc-Andre Fleury will ultimately be in the Hockey Hall of Fame. He's got three rings. He won one outright and was very responsible for second, that being last year's Stanley Cup championship here in Pittsburgh. He's got 400 wins, which already puts him number 13 all time. And he's got a good shot to get to 500, which would have to make the Hall of Fame automatic. I am curious to see how Vegas does next year, though. It would not be a shock if the Golden Knights backslid. Let's go to Joe in Ocean City. Joe, you're on with Double M. Yeah, Mark, I wanted to talk about uh, Gino with the MVP. You kind of brought that up already. There's no Canadian that they could really slip in there if they didn't want to give it to a Russian. Um, I'm just The year he's having when this guy's going like this, I don't see how you can't give it to him. Well, Taylor Hall's Canadian. Taylor Hall didn't have to play a Malkinus. Come on, we both know. No, Taylor Hall's a really good player. Taylor Hall's solid. He's solid, yeah. No, he's, he he's more than solid. He's having a great year. My thing with Taylor Hall is I can't give the MVP to someone who finishes 13th in scoring and his team gets a wild card. I, I just can't do that. Uh, you, you know who's coming up on the outside is Claude Giroux. If the Flyers yeah. make the playoffs and he, he – right now he's fourth in scoring – He'll get some votes to be sure. If if Nathan McKinnon keeps going like he's going, he's fifth in scoring, and the Avalanche makes the playoffs, he's got a chance. But right now, I would say the front runners are undoubtedly Kucherov and Malkin. I'm curious to see how many votes Connor McDavid gets because he's third in scoring, only four off the lead, but the Oilers are going to miss the playoffs after being heralded as a Western Conference contender at the beginning of of the year. I still just have no idea what's happened there. Why Edmonton has just gone nipples up in a season where they were supposed to have a legit chance to get out of the West. 412-333-9939. Yeah, Ovi's got 42 goals. Oh, he would only need oh eight more goals down the stretch. Yeah, he's got a eight goals in they have 13 games left. Eight goals in 13 games. He got a shot. I wrote a blog about Ovi today, too, by the way. Check it out on the Mark Mad page at WXDX.com. Let's go to Jason in the car. Jason, you're on with Double M. Hey, Mark. How you doing? Great. Hey, I was just wondering what you think. If it hurts Malkin among voters that the other team usually puts its top defenseman out against Sid and Malkin gets the kind of go out against like the second pairing and not the main defensive guys. I think for an MVP voter to vote against Malkin based on that would require an awful lot of research on his part to make sure that's happening game in and out. I think it is, but not every game. And I'm not going to research it. They'd be voting out their ass if they use that as an excuse to vote against Geno. But uh, that might be the excuse some of them are are looking for. Uh, Again, if Geno can win the Richard... And the Ross, he'll win the heart. If he wins two, he'll win three. If he wins one, he he might not win the MVP. Let's go to Matt in Conway. Matt, home of Conway Pizza, which I love. Matt, you're on the Mark Madden Show. 
Hey, Mark, I was listening to you talking about the MVP list there, and uh, I just had a question for you. Now, you listed Kucherov Malkin up on that list. Yes. I would almost have to give it to Ovi. If you look at the talent around Kucherov and Malkin, then, I mean, look at the team that's built around them. I mean, it's no question it has to give it to Ovi. He lost a lot of his main Well, players. I don't think there's no question you have to give it to Ovi, but Ovi could be a worthy winner. I mean, you're right. The Capitals have lost a lot of talent. Ovi had a rotten year last year. He's picked it up to his old form, if not all the way, then pert near. And Holtby's having a bad year, and Ovi still kept them near the top of the division. So uh, I would list Ovi right now as a finalist. I would say Kucherov, Malkin, and Ovi, three Russians, would be finalists, but I still would give it to Evgeny Malkin. 412-333-9939 is the number. You want to get calls in, now's like the last call segment for this hour coming up. We've got Stan at 4.30, Bob McLaughlin after that, so do dial if you want to get involved. Phil Kessel thinks Malkin should be MVP. I'll give you the quote in that regard. Wow, not only a great quote. Well, Phil gives great quotes. He just doesn't like to talk to the media. But when he does, boy, you get your money's worth. That's for absolute certain. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9. And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. I'll throw that person off the stage. Oh, hey, Mark. Love the stuff. I'll be here for you, just like you've always been here for me. VX at 105.9. I've been retweeting a video all day of a cat who is just so excited to be in this car. Uh, The caption is seeing the world for the very first time, and that's what it looks like. If you follow me on Twitter, you've seen the video. This cat looks so happy, happier than I've ever been, I would venture to guess. So check out my Twitter feed, if only to see the video of the happy cat. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. I can't get over what Kirk Cousins got. Well, we'll get when free agency officially starts tomorrow at 4 p.m. $84 million over three years. All of it guaranteed. Every single dime guaranteed. That's got to be the biggest guaranteed figure in any NFL contract to date. Has any NFL contract had 100% guaranteed money? Well, beyond one-year franchise tag contracts? I don't think so. That's an amazing number. And all the more amazing when you consider that Kirk Cousins in his career really hasn't done bupkis. I mean, I think he's a good quarterback. And I think he has the potential to get Minnesota to where the Vikings want to go at long last. But again, 84 mil over three years for a quarterback who's 126, lost 30, and tied one. Against teams with a record better than 500, 419. Never won a playoff game, and he just got $84 million guaranteed. That is absolutely incredible. I'm not expecting the Steelers to make much impact, if any at all, in free agency, and certainly not tomorrow when it starts. As mentioned earlier, the earliest the Steelers have ever signed a player is the day after free agency started. That's happened twice, and those players were Ladarius Green and Mike Mitchell, neither of whom worked out 
all that swimmingly. Uh, everybody looks forward to free agency and debates who the Steelers should and will get. But no matter who they should get, they rarely get anybody. I don't think they're going to bring Lawrence Timmons back. I I think they might get a few bargain basement jabronis after free agency uh, winds down, but I don't expect a Steeler signing tomorrow. As I mentioned, New Orleans signed Drew Brees before he hit free agency. Kirk Cousins to Minnesota. And Paul Puzlesny, linebacker for Jacksonville, played high school football at Hopewell, college football at Penn State. He retired after 11 NFL seasons. Congratulations to him. Uh, one heck of a linebacker, and even more than that, one heck of a of a competitor. Penguins don't play again until tomorrow night at the New York Rangers. Don't forget Thursday, I'll be at the Boulevard on Route 30 in Greensburg for a watch party when the Penguins play Montreal, and I certainly am looking forward to that. We have Stan Saverin at the bottom of the hour. Let's go to Big Z in Fox Chapel. Big Z, you're on with Double M. Now, Double M, how are you? What? What's up? So I just want to talk to you about Tiger real quick, you know, and, and I don't disagree with you saying he needs to pave the way for someone else to come in because I think that would be really just a great thing to do. Well, and that, hap- um, that would have to happen organically, Big Z, because obviously you can't script the results. Right, but right, to repeat what right. I said yesterday, the best thing for golf would be for Tiger to compete and almost win a few majors but lose to a, a Justin Thomas or a Jordan Spieth after a final round showdown, because if Tiger comes back and starts winning, then what's left after? Because he's in the twilight of his career no matter what. If Tiger comes back and he just had the one good uh, showing at the Valspar and now he sucks, well, that won't help either. Right. Well, and I understand that. And, and I think one thing for, you know, pure golf fans is that, you know, I don't think he'll ever catch Jack Nicholas. I do think him passing Sam Snead is something that he'll be able to do. He'll always be the second-best player in golf. I think him passing Sam Snead, who won his last tournament at the age of 52 in Greensboro, I believe it was, um, is something that could help his resume. Although, I just don't find Jordan Spieth or Justin Thomas like that compelling of characters. They don't really have, they don't really draw, it just, they don't attract. You know what, Jordan, uh, Spieth, Jordan Spieth's 24 uh, years old. And he already has three majors. That's pretty compelling. Well, it's just not exactly him not being able to win. It's the fashion in which he carries himself. He's not an exciting yeah, guy. Yeah, that, that, that that, you are just looking for him to be uh, uh, not as good as Tiger. No, 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 I'm not, actually. I admit that Jack Nicholas is better than Tiger, but I think you need someone who has that fiery edge who gets people excited. And I don't see maybe, that Maybe Spieth. if Spieth wore a red shirt on Sunday. No, that has nothing to do with it. Well, that, not- you'd be surprised. It doesn't. Not not for me, at least. But, I mean, I think there's something to be said for the fact that, you know, the second-best player in golf, if he were to achieve what Sam Snead did and then pass him, it would be good for the game. And there's no denying that. Yeah, maybe. Like I said, I think it would be good if he won one more major, like Jack did in 1985 at the Masters at age 46. But right. I, don't, I don't think it would be good for golf if it happened uh, in the upcoming Masters. Well, yeah, I mean, I agree with that because you want to obviously set the I mean, it stage. would be good for golf in the immediacy. I mean, Tiger winning the next Masters, you know, in a couple of weeks, that would be huge for golf right now. 
But that that's one thing where golf's had a problem, I think. They've never looked past Tiger. Even when Tiger wasn't there, they didn't look past Tiger. And that's, that's the fans more than the PGA. But even when Tiger didn't play, it was all about, when's Tiger coming back? When's Tiger coming back? Right. And I think that distracted from any appreciation for some good young golfers who were winning tournaments. So do you think that the reason being that Spieth and, you know, Thomas, these guys that you've mentioned, are not getting their due diligence is because everyone just is talking about when's Tiger coming back, Tiger this, Tiger that. I, I think that's that... a big part of it, yes. Okay. And I think, in a weird way, Tiger fans have been defending Tiger's turf even in his absence. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a good point. You know, I, I appreciate the game of golf. I like to see people that have illustrious careers and win. doesn't mean their personal home life is good. I mean, I know that Arnold Palmer was a guy that, a lot of people have said did things off the course that people would have frowned upon, but there wasn't social media then. Not to say that he's not a great guy, and you know, further. Yeah, I, I never, really I never one. heard that about Arnold, but uh, but I think that could be said of. I mean, look at Babe Ruth back when. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, and, if, if, know, ba- and if Babe Ruth were alive today, he'd be doing PEDs, he'd be doing coke, he'd be banging sure. strippers, and it would all be on social media, which makes me wish Babe Ruth was alive today. Let's go to Dave in Fox Chapel. Dave, you're on with Double M. Hey, Mark, are there more back-to-back games like this year in the NHL than in the past? I feel like every other week, Penguins are playing a back-to-back. I just don't see... If I'm not mistaken, the Penguins have more back-to-backs than any team in the league this year. Is there some agenda the NHL is pushing? Is it, is it that week no, well, they, they have 19. The they, have 19 they have 19 back-to-backs. And, yeah, I think the bye week that every team gets... Uh, Forces more back-to-backs because you have less time to work with, and I think an excuse for back-to-backs. But 19 for one team for the Penguins—that that—that's way too many. But uh, the Penguins are past the worst of that, and uh, Touchwood none the worst for wear. Up next, he is the Godfather of the Pittsburgh sports media. We're going to talk to Stan Saverin here on 105.9 X. Hey everybody, it's good with Jr. Jim Ross, and as God is my witness, you better not listen to anyone. But Mark Madden, cause business is about to pick up on 105.9 The X. Some more Steeler news. Uh, they did not tender Eli Rogers, so he's an unrestricted free agent. I don't think that he is anything approaching replaceable. Joining me now, he is the godfather of the Pittsburgh sports media. From AT&T Sportsnet and ESPN Radio Pittsburgh, it's Stan Saverin. Stan Mark Andre Fleury got career win number four hundred last night. Is he going to make the Hockey Hall of Fame? I think that the narrative has changed, Mark. I, I would talk about that in my show. The question is no longer will he make the Hall of Fame. Will he be a first ballot Hall of Famer? Um, by the end of this year, um, he'll be no less than tenth uh, on the all-time win list in NHL goaltending history. I mean, he'll pass up Grant Fuhr and, and some other guys. Um, he's, uh, he's only 33, um, probably by early next year, he'll be top five in terms of overall wins. No way you can keep him out. And again, I think that the narrative has changed. Does he get in on the first ballot? Ovechkin got career goal number 600 last night. We know he's going to make the hall of fame. Can he catch Wayne Gretzky who has 894 career goals? I don't see that happening. Um, uh, I just, he's such a different player. He's, uh, you know, he hits people, more physical. I don't know what he's averaged over his career. What's he been in the league, 11, 12? Um, uh, he'd have to play, 
what at least five more, I think five more years at a higher level to get to that number, if my math is anywhere near correct. Well, Stan, um, actually, uh, if he scores at his current per-game pace in his career, he'd have to play six more years to catch Gretzky and keep scoring at that pace, and I'm not sure that's going to happen. No, I mean, uh, we all, I mean, you and I haven't, but everybody else slows down with age. <laughs> uh, and, I, no, I, I, don't see, uh, I don't see that happening. Um, could he pass Gordie Howe? You know, maybe. Uh, but I, I don't see him. I mean, I, I think players are not going to play. Uh, because of the money that's now involved in the NHL, as long as they used to. You're not going to see, you know, the Chris Chelios types, uh, or even Gretzky, um, who, uh, had he gone to the NHL initially, you know, would have played well more than 20 years. So I don't think that's realistic for Ovechkin. Now, I think Ovechkin is one of the top two or three goal scorers ever, but does he need a Stanley Cup for true validation, Stan? Not for me, he doesn't. Um, and I, I always sort of... I sort of blanch at, at that sort of, you know, reasoning. You know, there are a lot of people who said Jim Kelly doesn't belong in the Hall of Fame because he never won a Super Bowl. He went to four. Um, they kept Bud Grant and Fran Tarkenton out. Um, does Ted Williams not belong in the Hall of Fame because the Red Sox didn't win a World Series? I mean, Ovechkin obviously is a central guy to the Capitals, but he's not the only guy. You know, for years, Mark, as we know, they paid no attention to defense, or I should say very little attention to defense. There were other issues involved. His leadership was questioned. I mean, I think you can look at that, but I don't think it keeps him out of the Hall of Fame, and I don't, in my view anyway, it, it doesn't tarnish him. Some of the things he's done on the ice would tarnish him before the lack of a Stanley Cup or getting out of the second round. It's, he's the most important player down there, but hockey's not a one-man band. Well, he's certainly going to the Hall of Fame. I think he validated that a a long time ago. Uh, what has to happen for Evgeny Malkin to get MVP, Stan? Because his stats since January 1st would not only indicate he's a strong contender, but maybe a runaway winner. Yeah, I don't know that it's necessarily going to go to the guy that wins the R. Ross Trophy. I think one of the things that strikes me about the people who vote for this, um, they're pretty knowledgeable about hockey. And I think this is an analogy. Uh, in 2016, when the Penguins won the Cup and beat San Jose, a lot of people thought that Phil Kessel was going to win the Conn Smythe. Uh, he had a great playoff. But Sid won it because I think the people voting on that recognized how well Sid plays at both ends of the rink, the things that he does, the little things that you have to be a real student of the game to see. Uh, and I think the same thing could be said of Malkin. I mean, I don't see Kucherov all that often. Uh, but I would say this, Gino's game has changed. You know, just the other night, uh, Mike Sullivan referenced, he made a tremendous play coming back in his own end. His game has rounded into form. And I think, n nothing against Kucherov, he's a heck of a player, but when you see how Gino's game has advanced, how it's rounded out, how it's become completed, I think that players look for that kind of thing, and when he's playing well defensively, that also shows some leadership. And I think that if I can use that analogy of why Sid got the con smite in 16, I think that's why Malkin, if he continues to score, maybe not at this pace, no one will, 1.7 points per game, but if he continues this kind of scoring and continues to play that way, I think that the people who vote on this will recognize that. Weird thing about Gino, I never saw playing with Hagelin and Hornquist as being a potential catalyst for Malkin. Why do you think that line has worked so well 
in particular for number 71? Well, I think there are a couple things. I, you know, again, lines aren't all about having 350 goal scores. That if you have 350 goal scores, the line might not click for any number of reasons. Uh, I think that both Hornquist and Haglin uh, complement what he does best. Haglin with his speed, uh, certainly Hornquist gives him a lot of space to roam, and everybody is well aware of this. They wanted him to be on a line where he's forced to shoot more. Now, I realize that Hornquist scored a goal from just inside the dots the other night on the power play, but that's not his game. Certainly Haglin is not going to beat anybody with 50-foot slap shots or 25-foot wrist shots. Not his game, but that's something Geno can do. And if, when he was playing with Kessel, they both in their games aren't similar, but their, their shots are. Uh, and I think that because you've got Hornquist in front of the net, who's not going to be ripping off 30-foot slap shots, certainly Haglund's not, that leaves it up to Malkin to do that. He is shooting more. The numbers show that, and he's shooting more because the other guys don't. We're talking to Stan Saffron. He's brought to you by the law firm of Shenderovich, Shenderovich, and Fishman. Stan, will the Steelers sign anybody sexy in free agency? We both know the answer is no, but I guess we got to talk about it anyway. Well, they might sign some guys who have some name recognition. Um, I don't... Uh, if we're thinking inside linebackers, there really aren't any, quote, sexy guys out there. Now, last year, Dante Hightower is a name that everybody knew. Uh, he was taking just a couple of picks after the, the Steelers uh, drafted um, you know, uh, in that particular draft year. Um, I think they're going to sign somebody. I, I really do think that this notion, well, they don't have any money, um, people should forget that notion. Um, they, if they target a guy that they want, they'll get him. They'll find a way to get him. They've already lopped off $7 million off the cap with Gay uh, and Mitchell gone. There are other things they can do. Um, but the one thing I think we have to recognize, the Steelers, right or wrong, whether you agree with it or not, they set a value, a dollar value, on a player. And unless they're, if there's a bidding war, they're not going to get advanced. They'll move on to someone else. Uh, they might slightly overpay. I think a lot of people thought that maybe they offered Hightower too much last year. Didn't get him. Uh, but I don't think that they go way over what they think the guy's worth. So I think that they can. Most importantly, they can sign a free agent. I think they will. As far as you know, big name inside linebackers. I suppose Navarro Bowman because. You know, he, he played for Penn State. A lot of people like the guy, Williamson, not Matt, um, Avery Williamson, from, although Matt wouldn't be a bad sign. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, uh, you know, he's, he's a good player, and the thing about him is he's 26. I really think the Steelers have to make up their mind. What do they want? Do they want a stopgap to play alongside whoever they draft, assuming they do, or are they looking for a guy, because certainly they need to improve um, over Vince Williams. Vince Williams, to me, and I said this before last season started, he's a third guy. He's a good special teams guy. He's a third inside linebacker. Do they want a guy like Williamson, who's 26, you know, has probably three, four more good years in him, and then he, alongside the rookie, whoever he is, that's your inside linebacker tandem. What about Lawrence Timmons? Uh, I hear he's a very unlikely option, even though his familiarity with the system uh, seems to make him a sensible choice. Uh, again, I think Lawrence Timmons, um, uh, would he be better than Vince Williams? That's presuming that they either, A, sign a higher-profile free agent or certainly go after uh, middle linebacker, inside linebacker with the number one pick. Uh, Timmons is cheap. I mean, frankly, that's his biggest value. 
you know, you can probably get him for cheap. Um, he probably would end up being the third linebacker with Williams staying as the second and either a free agent or a rookie being the number one guy. Um, I, I don't think that you go out and you sign Lawrence Timmons and say, okay, here you go, you're the starter, even though you can get him for cheap. Look, one of the things that killed him last year, Mark, was depth. Uh, nobody at that position, nobody could have predicted what happened to Shazier, but they were thin going into the season. And then we all saw what happened when Shazier got hurt. You know, you're playing Sean Spence and Matikavich was hurt. So, look, if you can get if you can get Timmons um, at a million and a half or something like that, you know, that's not a bad sign. Stan, uh, Tiger finished second this past weekend. Is that a last gasp or new beginning? I know it. I know the ratings went way high. Well, people still want to see him. Some people want to see him lose, uh, but they want to see him. Uh, I mean, I think that it's unrealistic, totally unrealistic, and frankly impossible, that somehow he's going to ascend to the top of the mountain again. Uh, I think that people would like to see him at least contend, but I say when, you know, if this is a new beginning, um, the end to that beginning is different than it was 10 years ago. I mean, he's no longer... Uh, going to ha- you know, have a grand slam. He's no longer uh, going to be you know in the final pairing at, at major golf tournaments. It's not going to happen. He's 42. He's got a history of physical issues. And, yeah, again, he's 42. Uh, not going to happen, but it may be a new beginning from where he was a couple years ago when you know he was missing cuts, that kind of thing. The Pirates have over 9,000 tickets remaining for opening day, Stan. Is that surprising? Uh, what should I think of that? Well, I mean, I think we all know what the um, uh, the ambivalence toward the Pirates is. Um, I don't know if ambivalence is worse than anger. Uh, I don't know. Um, I think it's worse if you just don't care. Uh, and I think that's the issue there. Um, I'm a, the only thing that surprises me is that Pittsburgh has always been an event town. You know, if you single something out, you know, it's a big event. Opening day is a big event for people. I mean, it certainly is. Um, and, and that surprises me that, say, well, it's opening day, you know, it's not really about the baseball. Um, you go there, it's the first, you know, game and all that kind of stuff. So that surprised me, you know, moderately. Uh, but I think that people's expectations, obviously, for this team are very low. And, again, whether it's anger or ambivalence, um, they're not real happy with ownership. That's not about the players. It's not about whether the players are good, bad, or indifferent. It's about the attitude of the owners, and I think the fans' attitude, I think you would agree, if they don't care, why should I? And finally, Stan, the great Pittsburgh sports debate rears its ugly head tomorrow night at Tequila Cowboy. <laughs> With five ugly heads. Perfect. I'm, I'm sure you're as psyched up for it as I am. Oh, absolutely. As a matter of fact, uh, I'm actually thinking about getting a sleeping bag and just Spending the night there tonight, waiting to get in early. So you'd be camping out to get into a show that you get into for free anyway. Yeah, exactly. That's the price I'm willing to pay. That's the level of my dedication. That That is dedication. Stan, thank you so much. We'll see you tomorrow night. All right, Mark. Thank you. That's Stan Severn, the Godfather. Don't forget the great Pittsburgh sports debate tomorrow night. 7.30, Tequila Cowboy on the North Shore. Me, Stan, a bunch of other guys. Sports Talk, be there. Bob McLaughlin next, 105.9. Now, the super genius, Mark Madden. Super genius, big fan. Is that a compromise, verbally speaking? Verbally speaking. How stupid is that? What other kind of verbally is there besides speaking? The X at 105.9. I'm joined now by Bob McLaughlin. Bob brought you by 84 Lumber. Bob, I read a quote from Martellus Bennett, the NFL tight end who got cut last week by New England, 
And he says that people dehumanize athletes who get cut like they aren't real with families. And that's a good point. But Martellus Bennett has career earnings of 33 mil. So while Bennett may think that fans are insensitive to his situation, I don't think he's cognizant of how different his situation is from the fan who makes fun of it. Martellus Bennett is going to be just fine with that figure you just tossed out there. Uh, The only thing I can think of with Martellus Bennett, this is the same guy who, whether he dehumanized their team doctor or not last year, when the Packers wanted him, you know, to play and he said he needed surgery and he was going to sit out and he got a bunch of other opinions. And then somehow he got waived by the Packers and went right to the Patriots and played a couple of games, played, you know, for a few weeks after he had just blasted the Packers team doctor. Well, like, yeah, and he's got the brother who lied about getting abused by police in Las Vegas. It's just these guys think that anything they do and say is okay and anything we do and say is subject to their approval. It's just this tone-deaf attitude that really is typical of most pro athletes in general, but not hockey players and especially NFL players. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's a bad choice of words, and that's a bad, you know, bad argument to make on his end when he's got that much money. I think he used the word struggle in his tweet, right? Yeah. You're not, you're not struggling if you're making $33 million, you know, to provide for your your family or, you know, yeah, I would assume family. they've been provided for enough. Yeah, I mean, if you have a struggle with something else, like a struggle with mental illness, a struggle with addiction or something like that, that's a struggle. Earning that much money and having to provide, you know, it's not a struggle for you to go out and buy a couple Ferraris if you want, which a lot of these players do. It might be a struggle after his career when he's got no money left, but it's not right now. His argument doesn't hold up. Now, what about Kirk Cousins getting 84 mil over three years? It's all guaranteed, and he's a quarterback with a record under 500. And more distressingly, he's 4 and 19 when starting against teams that are over 500. It's unbelievable. Quarterbacks are just holding the league hostage right now to pay that much money to somebody who is that average. And look at a bunch of the other signings, Mark. All of the average quarterbacks right now are just making a well, mint. Now, now, here's the thing. He's relatively young. Mm-hmm. He did play pretty good in Washington these last couple of years. Like his QB rating lifetime is over 90, which is above average. Of course, that goes to show you, if you look hard enough, you can find good stats and bad stats for just about any player. Uh, but but I, I think with him, they're looking at three good years out of him. Like New Orleans gave Breeze a two-year deal, but who knows when he's going to hit the wall. Then again, maybe he won't. Maybe Brady won't either. And all of that makes sense. But it doesn't make sense to guarantee it. It doesn't make sense to guarantee $84 million over three years. Um, and I know you talked about Lev Bell and his reaction to that and how you know all salaries are going to have to move upwards after that one. But that's, I mean, to guarantee that much money at that position, I know what it means to the team, but the chances of him getting hurt are so much greater. Now, there have been a few big money deals fully guaranteed, like Miles Garrett, the rookie in 2017 for the Browns. 30.4 mil, totally guaranteed. Mitch Trubisky's four-year deal last year with the Bears, 29 mil, fully guaranteed. But this is 84 million, <laughs> fully guaranteed. A- again, that is just nuts. I don't know how the league, you know, how do they combat that? Because say you've well, no, got... See, it, it's not a matter of combating it because everybody has to stay within the cap. Well, exactly. That's what I was going to say. I mean, 
but you've got owners out there, you know, there's got to be so many of them who, of course, they're not going to want to guarantee that much more, you know, that much money and then guarantee an entire contract. But if you've got one to do it, precedence is set. That's all it takes for everybody else to have to play catch up or at least play ball. How about this guard who went from Carolina to Jacksonville, this Norwell, mm-hmm. getting 13.3 mil a year in uh, average annual value? What do you think Lev Bell has to say about that when he's been offered 13.3 mil average annual value from the Steelers? Well, he's seen wide receivers go up also. He's seen crazy numbers. But with- doesn't it put the fact that it's a passing league in perspective? Not for him because he considers himself part of that passing game. Okay, he's wrong. I mean, he, he averaged 7.7 7 yards per catch last Look, year. Look, counselor, I'm not arguing on his behalf. He caught, he, no, Bell caught a lot of balls, but to what effect is my point? Right, no deep threat. It wasn't that much of a weapon. It was more of an outlet, more of an advantage to have him. Um, but, yeah, that's that's not his game, and it's going to be fewer and few, less and less his game as he gets older and older and more broken down with all of the touches he's getting. Now, I don't know. This does change his argument as to what he wants, but at the time the Steelers made that offer, that was fair money then. Hey, Aaron Rodgers is going to be the happiest one out there. You talked about the numbers he's going to get. Yeah, he wants over hour, 30 mil per season now. And he'll get it. If if Cousins is getting that much guaranteed and making 28, 28 plus, he's going to get 30. You know, it's funny because uh, when you hear about that number, you can see why LeVar Jackson wants so badly to play quarterback <laughs> and not wide receiver. Then again, look at the wide receiver numbers. Absolutely. Look how many arguments this this one signing. Lamar Jackson, it, excuse it, me. Look at how many arguments this changes all throughout the NFL. It's, in, it's insane right now. And, Bob, finally, uh, late in yesterday's show, we heard a report that the Pirates still had 10,000 tickets available for the home opener, and you uh, got a hold of Jim Trudinich at the Pirates PR department, and he confirmed there are 9,000 tickets available, at least as of uh, uh, early today. Should I be shocked by that figure, or should I be uh, assuming that most of those tickets, if not all, will be sold between now and the opener, which is, to be fair, still over two and a half weeks away? You know what? Um, Jimmy T said that there were around 30 capacity down there is 38654 something like that so, so nine, right around 9000 yeah, take still available yeah 9000 tickets right around that number mark i don't think you can assume that all of them are going to be sold i think that a a large number maybe 7000 maybe 6500 will be sold don't, don't you think they'll give a lot away though to get people in the stands i know sure. they've been i know they've been uh offering to certain groups uh, tickets online without having to pay the service charge. No, that's a good point also. And I've seen in the past, they've announced sellouts at like 36.5 or 36.2. So they're going to be in the ball, well, not no pun intended, be in the ballpark for a sellout. But I think you're going to see, you know, people who have just put them aside right now. They are too pissed at what happened over the last number of years. They, I mean, diehards that will not be at the opener this year. I, I think it's a more visual situation, Bob, because it, let's say there are like 2,000 tickets unsold. I don't think that's a big deal, but if there's big patches of empty seats that will get on, well, they won't get on camera on AT&T Sportsnet. Actually, they might be just fine. <laughs> you don't think you don't think two thousand not sold would make a big de- a big story though. I think that would be a big story. I don't. Well, I th- you know what? Well, you know what though, with the stoogerific media that covers the Pirates around here, I I don't know, and I mean that very seriously, but. Uh, Considering that opening day has been an automatic sellout dating back, I believe even back to, were they selling out Three River Stadium 
for opening day near the end? Probably not. I think it dates back to the beginning of PNC Park. I remember going when I was in either 7th or 8th grade. I jumped on the tee and went down there, and we bought tickets. Uh, I don't remember those being well, so that, well. that was different because we used to skip, skip school. Yeah. I, I <laughs> yeah. skipped school to go. Did I ever skip school to go to the Forbes Field Open? I don't think I did. I think the first one I skipped school to go to was Three Rivers. Well, here's the other thing. You talk about the media and how they covered the Pirates. Mark, there's been a noticeable change in some of the – pro-Pirates media also, I think, you know, in the last three to five months, I think there's some bite to a lot of the interviews. There's some bite to a lot of the columns, at least to some of the leads that they put out there now. People are not happy with the Pirates, and I think that the media is starting to say, "Eh, you know what, I think that that's what they want to read. We're going to give the people what they want. But that's what the Kinks said. Bob, do you agree that I'm like Churchill, Winston Churchill, before World War II, and that I spotted the danger before anybody else? Minus the accent. We would never surrender. In 30 seconds, we talk about the start of free agency. Ain't we got fun? NFL Talk 105.9.